Welcome to Restoration Basics. This is the Preparatory Podcast. My name is Samuel Jordison. I'm joined with my friends, Jason Kane and Aaron Smith. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that was a bad one. That, that was perfect. Dang it. <laughs> it's a little bit of an inside joke, but not really because so many people are in on it. <laughs> are in on it they're not in on it it's an accident <laughs> they're dr- they're grafted in like the olive tree <laughs> oh, dang it. um andrew is often referred to over here by his father's name aaron so much so that his own grandfather has called him aaron my own father has called me aaron <laughs> whose name is aaron <laughs> and you thought you could escape when you went to another country yeah yeah, tell us about that. I went to India. Very helpful because my father has never been there. <laughs> and so in my weak mind, I thought that that was good enough for me to escape <laughs> the shadow of Aaron. <laughs> but nevertheless, it was not. I was still called Aaron by people who don't even know my father. <laughs> and the shame continued. <laughs> I probably should just change my name. Well, the Lord made a way. uh, (laughs) To Aaron Jr. Yeah. For for another Aaron to go before you so that you would always. Who also had red hair. Right. It was a good humbling experience for you, Andrew. (laughs) Um, It was a something. We are three books done. Book of Mormon. Mm. So we're starting in the. I I don't know. There's probably a good name we could call these next four books because they only have one chapter <laughs> um the short ones they're, yeah they're uh one hit wonders one hit wonders yeah yeah some of them have um like omni has or omni or however you want to say it has like uh like 18 authors or something like that but they didn't say anything worth they just basically said this is my name. <laughs> I'm giving the record away. Uh, don't spoil the episode. Sorry. Whoa, yeah, whoa, whoa. we don't have a lot to talk about on those, so I better be you careful. You just gave away 50% of our content. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but Enos is, is we both, we all, all had a chance to read before um, and, and quickly, I guess, prepare. Quick turnaround. But Enos has some good, good things to say. And it, it is obviously the the biggest theme i guess you could pull from enos is um prayer because that is 80 percent of the chapter um is enos engaged in a prayer with the lord a single conversation i'll i'll be it's a long conversation all day and all night um have any either of you ever done something that long i mean in prayer i don't know a lot of people i don't know anyone off the top of my head i guess who's engaged in a prayer that long i'd say the closest thing i ever really had was years ago i was driving from like bait city to independence that's like 25 minutes ish and i prayed the whole time there and cool enough like it felt like the the prayer felt like i was almost like transported you know in a weird way but um just that the drive felt very short while I was engaged in prayer the whole time. But yeah, that's the closest thing I've ever had to do you something remember what, this crazy. Do you remember what you were praying about? 
Yeah, it was actually like it was kind of an Enos prayer in my mind of, you know, just praying for the ones that I love, pray for the ones that, um, you know, I didn't quite love and just kind of repentance as well. So I always remember that uh, as a one of the best prayer experiences I've had. But yeah, I still imagine this uh, Enos prayer is a little more uh, involved. <laughs> The only thing I can think of is at a mammoth camp. I don't even remember what year. Probably my third or fourth year. I don't know. I went five, third or fourth. It was one of the middle ones. And uh, it was like the only time out of the five years that I actually fasted a full day because, man, I loved camp food. Weird enough, but I loved it. Yeah. And I was always like active all the time. So I was always hungry. I mean, like I eat a lot anyway, but like running around and doing all that extra stuff. It's always hungry. So it was a big deal uh, for me. I guess my fasting life isn't the best and it wasn't then especially. And so it was a big deal for me to like fast all three meals. And then during the free time, I would also spend that time in prayer. And that was like the closest thing I've gotten because it felt like any time I had free. I just went to God and it was, it was pretty cool. It was a really good day. I think, uh, Enos's prayer is intimidating. That's probably the wrong word, but is intimidating to me because he stopped everything he was doing and just focused on, on the prayer. And like what, cause I, I try and pray every morning when I drive into work and that's probably about like a 15 minute drive. And usually I'm like halfway through and I, ran out of things to say so i'm just well i'll put some music on some andrew peterson or some Stephen chris chapman and rich mullen something worshipful basically and listen to it but i run out of things to say quick and i'm also in the confines of my car where i don't really have a lot else i could do but the thought of like oh like enos took basically his whole day and night and just 100 percent devoted it to god which i think is was is cool and i haven't heard of anybody um, I've heard of people, not necessarily that we need to try and replicate Enos's experience, but um, I do need to replicate his commitment for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I have heard testimonies about people reading the scriptures straight through over a period of a couple days, um, but I think prayer is a different different one because it's uh, in the secular world. And a lot of our minds, I don't know how often we feel that God talks back to us. True. And so it's like a one-sided conversation, we feel like. Yeah. We can just let you adjust it. Go for it. Okay. I guess if, if we don't have anything else to say that's the end of the episode (laughs) (laughs) Um, anything else for the introduction um i'll just jump right in here the first verse that caught me was verse uh four we talked last episode about the spiritual i feel bad saying giant because we it's like we said that a lot lately but the man that jacob was and the impact he had on the people around him and the trials he had in his life and how he's able to hold on to that rod of iron um no doubt partly and due to the testimony of his brother and then of course his faith being strengthened by that and coming before his Lord and, and talking with angels and ministering with or being ministered to by angels and the Lord and, and knowing the testimony of Christ. Enos 
I keep wanting to say Enoch, so I have to watch myself. Um, Enos has a somewhat similar relationship looking at his father. I think that probably Jacob did looking at Nephi. Um, that being said, I think Jacob being older and being able to be a little bit closer to Nephi would have impacted that because Enos was probably, I don't know how old Jacob was when he had Enos, but anyway, that's not important. <laughs> um, verse four, um, it says, behold, I went to hunt beasts in the forest and the words, which I had often heard my father speak concerning eternal life and the joy of saint of the saints sank deep into my heart. Um, what stuck out to, stuck out to me in this verse was specifically the joy of the saints. That's what stuck out to me too. That's my first note. As yeah. Well. And, and I don't know what you guys thought of it, but I was like, man, when I think of the church, I do not think of a joyful people. Does that, that might sound harsh. Cause I think we do rejoice in. It definitely is joy, but yeah, I don't think it's to a level where, people might see that joy that we have and desire it like, right intensely because in verse five he says and then his soul hungered and i take that as his soul hungered for that joy and that that um eternal life that you know his father's talking about too and yeah so yeah well, the, their joy is a testament to uh, i mean exactly it's yeah. it's it's um it's something that people see and so when i think of our joy it's like is our joy a testament to our children or to future generations or to others of of the benefit of having a personal relationship with jesus christ and i think it's it's probably easy for me to look at facebook and go like wow these people are not joyful <laughs> but i mean i mean i'm the same way i'm no yeah. different than them it's just i think it's cool to see that that you know, obviously he had the words of his father on his mind, but he also had the impact of the words of his father on their mind when the people were joyful. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. You first. Well, I think that's uh, one of the most undervalued missionary tools that we're not using right now is just our example. Uh, maybe not undervalued because it's talked about fairly often. It's just underused, maybe. Like, I think, well, I hate to pull you into, like, but... You had, Sam, you had that um, experience at Hy-V with that girl who was like, hey, you made me want to join Hy-V. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's like one of those things where if if we were all that way, if we were all that joyful and it was drawing people in, like it was drawing Enos in here, then we would be in a lot better state probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think something that we shouldn't miss also is that his father was doing what fathers should do. And that is, you know, sharing the gospel with his children and, you know, creating that, those roots. And uh, we talked about it in Jacob three of the importance of fathers and, and just it, it's a father's responsibility and, and mother's as well, but just to make sure that your children have those roots that they can um, fully know about Christ and eventually have their own experience with Christ. And and Enos hungered for that and then was able to have this amazing experience in prayer. And, you know, uh, I heard a quote one time is actually by a former basketball coach. And he said, a true leader is not only a leader when he's there, but a true leader prepares 
those who are around him for when that leader is gone. And, and I really think that's, that's what's happened with the last two books as well as that Nephi really prepared Jacob for when he was gone. And like, he was this spiritual giant as we were talking about, but he made sure that Jacob had these same like, uh, desires to seek God. And, and he, he knew that he was leaving in the, the plates in good hands, as it said. And Jacob said the same thing. He, like, I, I'm giving this to my son and I know he's going to take care of him, but it is because he, he was a good leader and that's what good leaders do. They, they show people who maybe don't see yet their place in God's work, but everybody has a place. And so I can just see Jacob telling Enos, listen, I know you're young or I know you may not have these great experiences that I've had, but you will. And so just start saying yes now because you will you will get these things that we've talked about. And because he talked about them so much and with such passion, Enos hungered after it. And like that's why I love that and my soul hungered for it. And like, that's what drew him to kneel down right there. And we have to get to a point where we kneel down and say, we are sick of how things are and we hunger for better things. And I mean, it comes from us living that way, living like Jacob and Nephi showing people there is a better way than things are going right now in society. Yeah. I have a speculation and it's not gospel in any way, shape, or form. It's just a theory. But in verse 10, Enos is talking, or he's already sat down before the Lord, kneeled down before the Lord, and he's and he's been praying about his sins. And uh, the Lord speaks to him and, and says, your sins are forgiven. And Enos says, how how is it done? How has this happened? And the Lord says, because of thy faith in Christ, whom thou hast never before heard nor seen. Now, this is just a theory. Like you, And actually, if you could prove me wrong and give me some concrete answer. I'd be happy to take that. But um, I really think that Enos here is a young boy. Like, I think he is uh, not necessarily, he might be a child, but you know that Jacob was talking about Christ his whole life. He's trying to point the people to Christ. And it doesn't say never before heard of. Um, It just says never before heard. And so you could argue that point and I would not die on any hill about this particular issue. But I really think that, you know, if I imagine it in my mind, and I'm just now getting this, reading this for whatever time it is, that it was probably Enos as a, you could say a 14-year-old boy who who knew the things, who understand, saw why people were so happy, but didn't completely understand everything about it. Um, and he knew his father was a good man, but he didn't necessarily understand everything, why his father was a good man. And so when he takes these issues before the Lord... Um, the Lord answers him and he gives them the reason. And we talked about last episode, the testimony of Christ being at the center of everything that's true, right? Here's your testimony of Christ. And as a side note, I think it would have been awesome to be Joseph Smith and having such a similar experience. And then just imagine him, you know, how exciting it would have been for Joseph to have a similar experience where he's a boy who has questions, who goes before God to ask. And as he's translating, as he's looking through you remember the interpreters um and he sees the story of a similar boy who went before the lord in deep prayer and deep concentration and the lord spoke to him just like he was spoken to i think that's really cool and and no doubt there will be another 14 year old 10 year old 9 year old whoever 
both that we don't know about in the past and in the future, boy or girl who goes before the Lord and asks, hey, I got a question, Lord, or please forgive me of my sins. Um, and I think that's so exciting. Another thing in those verses of the him praying about his own sins is um, I just love the simple truth, but um, sometimes overlooked is in verse seven, he says, you know, your sins are forgiven thee, and thou shalt be blessed. And Enos knew that God could not tell a lie. And so the guilt of his sins was washed away. And I just think that's an awesome confidence in, you know, God's forgiveness. And I don't think we necessarily have that confidence in our own repentance today, or at least in my life, I I can't speak for anyone else, but in my life, like sometimes I might pray for repentance for the same thing multiple times. And it's not even a repeat offense. It's just like, you know, there's no way I have been forgiven yet or something like that. And it's just awesome to have that assurity in Christ that your you know, sins are forgiven if you truly repent in your heart for it. Well, and really quick, just yeah. on that same note, I thought it was really cool that he said that, that like God had forgiven him and then he said, okay, I know God doesn't tell a lie. And then because he realized that God wouldn't lie, that's when his guilt left. Mm-hmm. Like um, I had an experience and I like, I won't go into it or anything where I realized that I had done something terrible or, or just I had sinned and I felt the weight of that sin and I asked God for forgiveness and he told me he had already forgiven me and he had reminded me of a time that I had overlooked and I hadn't thought of and it it just made me think sometimes we are the biggest stumbling block in our way to repentance yeah, and God isn't definitely. you know because like I, I guess I can only speak for me, but in my journey of repentance, I guess the tougher person to go to was myself and say, you messed up. Are you going to be okay with this? And I mean, like it took a while and it was hard for that guilt to go away, you know? And, and, but God was like, oh yeah, I already get, I already forgave you like a couple of months ago. Don't worry about it, you know? Yeah. And like, just don't do it again, you know? And, and so I, I liked that too, is that, you know, he felt that guilt and he was over, he was able to overcome that just because he had a confidence in what God was saying. Yeah. And and we have that guilt to put that in our heart that we do need to repent, but it does us no good to hold on to that guilt once we have been forgiven because its purpose has been served once you repent. And, you know, if we believe that God cannot tell any lies, then if we have faith and repent, then we are forgiven. Absolutely. And in Alma, it says, godly sorrow worketh repentance and anything more is is just plain bad. Yeah. Uh, and so like that, I, I really liked that. Yeah. And so Enos continues his prayer. He gets a, receives a forgiveness for his sins and um, his guilt is swept away, like you said. And what I think is cool about this is the conversion of Enos does not just stop with or the conversion of Enos is evident in that he didn't just stop with himself. I know, Jason, you have something in, in verse 14 because who he prays for next. Yeah, so he starts praying for his own people, the Nephites. And and something I found 
you know, it's, it's another simple truth that just stuck out to me. And um, he's basically, he says he's struggling in the spirit. And then the voice of the Lord came into his mind saying, I will visit thy brethren according to their diligence in keeping my commandments. And that's just very simple. But, you know, if we are keeping the commandments, we are fostering an environment where Christ can dwell with us. And it's that simple. And if we keep the commandments, you know, we're going to be better off. It, it's super simple, but I just think it's so important that, you know, we have a lot of grace, we have forgiveness and repentance, but true communion with Christ will come if we keep the commandments. And that's all I really had mm-hmm. there. But um, otherwise, you'll be uncomfortable. Yeah. It's it, not that he, like, he won't just come to you because he's always available. Yeah. Like he came to sinners, but you'll be uncomfortable in his presence. And so like, like that wasn't disagreeing with anything you said, obviously no, yeah. it's just in when, furthering it. One thing you said, Andrew, before we started recording, it was just, a, it was actually about a different conversation is that sometimes we have a personal, personable, personal God. And sometimes he's a little bit too personal and for our liking at the time. Um, and that kind of, ties in with the fact that he is always striving at always chasing after us and sometimes we are unfortunate to say you know we unfortunately say actually i'd like to continue with what i'm doing right i'm, I'm not going to follow those commandments and the reason is because we're not comfortable with god being in our. i mean it's a natural thing to not be comfortable with god dwelling or next to us when we know we're doing something wrong right like when you were a kid I can't think of an example right now, but if your parents told you, Hey, don't do that. And and obviously you're a little bit older and you know how to make decisions. You didn't do the thing they told you not to do if they were standing right next to you. (laughs) Like you still might be like, Oh, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to wait until they leave. Like that's, that's what it, that's what it boils down to because you're not comfortable with them there. Or if you did it and then they came in the room 10 minutes later, you'd be uncomfortable. Right. You'd be like, Oh no, they yeah. know. I think no, they know, they know. <laughs> like <laughs> video games. Yeah. That's what sticks out to yeah. me when mom would be like, "Hey, get off the PlayStation, clean your room, or you know, some vague chore I need to do, and leave the room." If I was still playing video games and she came back in, it was it was not a it was not like a oh hey mom. It was like a if mom could get out of right right now so I could hide this and continue in my sin, then I'd be okay. But, but that's what it is like with God. When you have, when you're told to keep the commandments and when you're not keeping them, it's really uncomfortable. Um, what sticks out to me is, um, there's times when I've, um, sinned a sin. I know that I have trouble with like right before sacrament meeting and, um, or sacrament. And, um, and I don't take the sacrament because I know that I would be uncomfortable, you know, like, God, I'm sorry. I don't even know if, if I'm sorry yet, like basically is what it is. And so, and, and I always hope and strive that I'll be better. And I think there's plenty of times I've been able to do that, but it, it's just a natural, it's the natural man getting in the way of a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Um, do you remember what, um, one of our friends said about how he, um, how he prays like Enos, if not, that's okay. Um, so we, we went on a home visit to um, a family and, and I found one of the, this strategy really interesting. And you see this with, um, because after he gets done praying for the Nephites and he gets his answer for the Nephites, then he prays for um, the Lamanites, his enemies. Um, 
But we were talking to this guy and, and he says, well, when I have a question, I pray like Enos. And I said, you know, <laughs> you pray for the your brothers and then you pray for your enemy, you know, how's it work? But he um, specifically prays about things he knows to be true to begin his prayer with. And he thanks the Lord for those. And, and, and he said multiple, I, well, he's, I had one experience that I know for sure where he felt the spirit of the Lord come down and, and commune with him with his prayer over this topic that he knew to be true. And then he went to other things that he knew to be true. And he basically tried the spirit of, you know, does this testify of Jesus Christ? Is this comfortable? And when he got to a point where the spirit left, he knew that his question had been answered. And so I found that that interesting because that's what Enos does. He's praying until he gets an answer for something. And everything he prays for is a righteous endeavor, but it's answered by the Lord. Because then he goes on to pray for his his enemies, the Lamanites, um, who have sworn that they would destroy uh, their records, um, all the traditions of their fathers. And, uh, and he prays that they will be brought to a knowledge of what those records and those um, basically those traditions say. Um, my next note was here in um, 26. Uh, Enos says, I had faith and I did cry unto God that he would preserve the records and he covenanted with me that he would bring them forth unto the Lamanites in his own due time. And he also says in verse 28, uh, thy fathers have also required of me this thing and it shall be done unto them according to their faith for their faith was like unto thee for unto thine. Um, I have that cross reference with third Nephi four fifty nine. I have that marked just a quick sum up. We'll get there eventually, but um, the destruction of many of the great cities have taken place and there's darkness all around. And it says there's silence because so many people have lost their loved ones. They're lost their kindred and the spirit, they hear this voice that continues to tell them, you know, I tried to gather you in like a, a hen gathers her chicks multiple times. Um, and in verse 58, it says, O ye house of Israel, whom I have spared, how oft will I gather you as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, if ye will repent and return unto me with full purpose of heart. But if not, O house of Israel, the places of your dwelling shall become desolate until the time of the fulfilling of the covenant to your fathers. Um, and obviously, Enos was a father to this nation being back beforehand um, he also says that Enos's fathers required this of the Lord and so um, here you have just again in time the Lord reminding us that um, the covenants are still applicable specifically to the house of Israel specifically to the people who were here before us the Lamanites and I think that's important to keep in mind I would have loved to well I, I still have time to because I know plenty of people who do missionary work with um, the natives and and bringing them the gospel, but I'd love to take part in that. So maybe I need to reach out to to do that. Uh, Andrew, you had something on verses thirty five, thirty three. Uh, yeah, it's um, Enos talking about the people of Nephi, his people, and in thirty five it says there are many prophets among us. The people were stiff necked and they're hard to understand. And then in 37, it says what the prophets were preaching. It says they're preaching nothing but prophesying of wars. Uh, and their preaching was harsh um, and contentions and destructions and continually reminding them of death and, and uh, duration of 
eternity and the judgments and powers of God. And like, that's pretty harsh. Like uh, it says harshness at the beginning. You're like, okay, that's harsh. And then, oh my, like the duration of eternity, you're going to just be like, <laughs> all right, uh, if you guys don't straighten up, you're going to be damned for like forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And like, uh, it just keeps going. But that's what um, they were preaching on it. And it tells you why in 38 it says, continually stirring them up so that they would uh, stay in, in the fear of the Lord. And they needed to be constantly reminded because they were so stiff necked that God is in control. And like he, he has things that will humble them if they don't humble themselves. Uh, Like we have a promise that says, um, blessed are ye who are humble, but more blessed are they who are, choose to be humbled instead of are made to be humbled um, i didn't get that word for word so don't quote it but that is too scripture. late it's going in uh, dang it. <laughs> section sorry, whatever the doctrine covenants next one sorry doug <laughs> i didn't get the reference i should uh that'll be your homework yeah <laughs> for next week cop out but anyway that the, like that was why they're being so harsh and then verse 39 like i don't know i I just have trouble with negatives, I guess, at the beginning of sentences. And so this verse didn't make sense to me and Sam explained it, but it pretty much just says that nothing was saving the people except for the prophets being so like elementary level preaching where anybody could understand it, that like that was the only thing keeping them from going down to destruction because that's how wicked they were being or stiff necked they were. I thought that was interesting. It's we had a conversation with a gentleman who was talking about you know what's your favorite preaching styles when you hear we were in a long car ride and uh, so he's asking us what our favorite preaching styles were and and how we as younger priesthood have kind of I don't know if the word the word experimented but what have we tried and and when we were trying to get the message across and and I look at people that I really respect and really enjoy hearing but this to me is so foreign because i've never i i don't know if i've never but this is brimstone yeah basically and there's that joke of what are you gonna preach today oh fire and brimstone good because everyone kind of wants to hear someone who's who's not usually like that do that i think but here in the scriptures that's the only thing that's working (laughs) um is literally the fear of god and the fear of god um in those people instilled in them by such simple terms because they they don't want to hear it um, I had, it's not a spiritual experience, but just a personal experience where I gave a sermon and in the sermon, I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to, I don't know if chastise is the right word, wanted to bring the attention to the fact that there are branches that believe the same thing, specifically in the restor- independent restoration movement, um, that believe the same thing, have the same doctrine and still kind of backbite against each other, right? Cause they're, they're different styles of branches and they still believe everything the same, on the scriptures, you know, don't have any difference with, with priesthood authority, but they still backbite each other. And I preach that for everyone, everyone. And I was talking to a, a guy after the service one-on-one and they said, man, those people really needed to hear it. And I was like, no, because, <laughs> you know, it was like specifically for everyone. It wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't for, for individuals, but sometimes you have to make it so plain and 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 i took that as 
I wasn't plain enough, basically, because it slipped through the cracks. You know, it, and there's always going to be people, uh, there's always going to be hearts that harden and say, this doesn't apply to me. Um, we talked about that a little bit last episode. I'm going to do it from time to time where I'm going to try and justify my actions and saying, well, that doesn't apply to me. Um, but there's a real, real importance of plain speaking. And I think that's why the Book of Mormon is so valuable. It says that from the beginning that its plainness is what is one of the things that is so awesome about it. Anybody got anything else? <laughs> a little bit of a shorter episode for a shorter book. Oh, I did want to say I would I did want to say one thing. Um I kind of deviated from what I was going to say, but on the topic of on the topic of the prophets calling the people to repentance harshly in section 85, the priesthood kind of has their jobs outlined or what their duties are. Um, I think I have it marked. It's an 85, I think 84, four, 84, four. And I, and this is specifically, I don't want anybody to slip through the cracks on this one. Um, no, it's not 84. It's 83. Okay, it's 83 verses 4. I don't want anything to slip through the cracks on this one. So if you are priesthood, I feel like you have to say, how can I do this better? Not, yeah, the other people aren't doing this very well. It talks about Moses and Moses holding um, an office in the Melchizedek priesthood in verse uh, 4a. And he sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. And then in verse C, it talks about the erotic priesthood. And it says, they minister the preparatory gospel, which is the gospel of repentance and of baptism and the remission of sins and the law of carnal commandments. You have to do that if you're priest, basically. And and I, I have theories on what's happened. I feel like sometimes, I, I don't know, we call it the celestial, teaching the celestial law. Andrew's smirking because he knows I'm trying to walk on eggshells, I feel like, <laughs> and try, still try and get my point across in a nice way. Just it's, say it harshly. <laughs> It's, it's not an option. If you have had that, if you have had those hands laid on you and you've accepted the call that God, God has called you to, you have a job. And I understand that um, those in the Melchizedek roles might say, well, the Uranic hasn't done a good enough job to prepare, but you got to get out of the way <laughs> and you got to let them do their job. And with that, the Uranic has to step up and do their job of preaching the carnal commandments of repentance. Whenever I ask my mom what I should preach about, you know, she just gives me that scripture, preach nothing but repentance. And that's what, that's what you have to do. And I think there are times when you preach a general repentance to the people, but then I think oftentimes, and we're scared to do it. I I know, I know people who I grew up that I really respect spiritual giants of my church who are scared, who have talked to me scared to, call out specific sins to have the 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 church repent of um and and it all it is is because they're not a fiery person they're not they're like well i've um actually andrew was in this conversation with us and and he was telling us about something he's learned recently and he said i struggle with it because all my life as a minister i've tried to encourage to try and preach joyful stuff, happy stuff, and, and the benefits of the gospel and, and what that means and how your life can be joyful. Back what Enos was talking about, the joy of the saints. But there's promises in there too 
that say you'll be swept off, that are that say your destruction will come if you do not keep these commandments. And there's a, a place for the, that in our services and in our preaching. So if you're thinking about preaching fire and brimstone, go ahead, go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. Might also be, be a good idea. Be wise with it. Uh, <laughs> definitely. I definitely had times where uh, I thought I'm going to preach fire and brimstone. And, and after I prayed about it and considered it, it was like, okay, those are my words, not God's. That's, and, and I think that's, that's the, the fine line that any, that any servant um, who stands in the stead of Christ on Sunday mornings or whenever has to do. I'm not here to tell you how you're, <laughs> uh, I'm not here to tell you what to, what to preach on, but, uh, but it's what well, we kind of are right. Yeah. The it's, manual set out. Yeah. Yeah. Section 83. <laughs> did, I, did we get there? Right? 83. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. 80, 80, uh, 85. Uh, is that the big one about the kingdoms, the laws? Uh, yeah. Okay. So I use 85 a lot for it. And that's why I was having yeah. It's not my fault. <laughs> no, 84 is just preposterous. It's, all, it's so small. <laughs> uh, do you guys have anything else about our one-hit wonder Enos, who really just shares his conversion experience? Yeah, I just really like the book. I think there's, even though it's 46 verses, there's a lot to learn from it. And um, it's one can be one of the most applicable to our own day-to-day lives because we can really get into um, how to change our prayer life and how to fully kind of be converted to the Lord. And I think that's very important. And I really enjoyed reading through this and it, it definitely made me want to try and change some things in my own life. Um, and I definitely want to, I, just, I don't know why I didn't catch this on the first time reading, but section 45 or verse 45 says, I go soon to the place of my rest. So my whole theory about him being a little kid is definitely wrong, probably. <laughs> Maybe he wrote it over a long period of time. Right, yeah. So. Well, I, I think uh, I think it's also possible that he wrote this while he was older, but he was going back to his conversion with yeah, with yeah. the Lord yeah. um, the first time that he had heard God speak to him. Because... I do think that he grew and he strengthened in his face because of that last verse, which we'll leave you with tonight if um, no one has any other comments. It says, I rejoice in the day when my mortal shall put on immortality, shall stand before him. Then shall I see his face with pleasure, and he will say unto me, Come unto me, ye blessed. There is a place prepared for you in the mansions of my Father. Amen. That's very like drastic from the beginning where God's like, you haven't seen or heard of Jesus and... Like, you're going to be blessed. And so, like, that's... But you're showing faith in him. And it's like, at that point, he's just such at a... I don't know. At at a relatable level. And then at the end, he's just like, yeah, I know where I'm going. (laughs) And, and like, it just goes to the point. Like, I feel like there was a big progression there. A lifetime progression. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys very much for listening. We're not sure if we'll combine Jeremy or Omni yet. Um guess we have to do some more looking around but thank you very much for your continued support of our small but i was gonna say but now that feels arrogant to put mighty in there because <laughs> <laughs> i don't claim to be an expert on anything but thank you for supporting the podcast um again if you have any questions or comments what's the what's the way they do they email those in or yeah you can email us at preparatorypodcast at gmail.com or comments on facebook you can send us uh 
a message on Facebook Messenger. Carrier pigeon. Any anything. Yeah. Just don't call me Aaron. <laughs> hmm. That's it. All right. <laughs> Thank Just you. Just don't call him Aaron. <laughs> God bless. Wash me clean.